Dr. Alan Leica here, and I'd like to welcome you to How to Live a Fantastic Life Show, where we will be discussing the important aspects of your life. We hope to inspire you to live the best life you can. Get out of your comfort zone and explore the awesome world around you. Break through your barriers. Take inspired action. Use the difficulties in your life to achieve the best version of you. Ladies and gentlemen, today we have a real great guest. Her name is Dr. Haley Perlis, and she's originally from Toronto, but she now lives in Colorado, and she knows how to overcome barriers and achieve peak performance. As an elite alpine ski racer, she competed and trained with the best in the world, pushing herself to the limits time and time again. And now with a PhD in sports psychology, Haley continues to push boundaries and drive peak performance, helping athletes and Fortune 100 executives achieve their goals. So before we get into some of the things I really want to today, let's talk a little bit about peak athletes and how they achieve those goals and how you help them achieve those goals, Haley. Sure, Dr. Allen, and thank you for having me. Yes, you know, it's, I can share a story about how I actually got into sports psychology. And when I was 12, um, growing up in Toronto, which is actually where I'm still a resident of today, my coach um, came up to me right before a very big race. It was the world championship of my age group. And he placed a hundred dollar bill in front of my face and told me that he had bet on me to win this particular race. And so that, not that I'm telling all coaches to bet on their athletes and tell them, however, in this moment, I didn't know it, but I was at an emotional and a mental fork in the road. On one hand, I could feel anger and frustration and fear. How could he bet on me? How could he tell me? What if I make a mistake? And on the other hand, challenge and passionate. If he believes in me so much that he's willing to bet on me, why should I believe in myself? So I went down that race course and I did win, which was great. But then my coach came down, congratulated me, kept all the money for himself. But he said, it's amazing what your performance can be when you get your head straight. And I went home at 12 years old and I told my parents that I wanted to be a sports site gal when I grew up, because that's what I want to do now, not just for athletes, but for everyone. So when we're all at that emotional and mental fork in the road, when we could think one way that will debilitate our behavior or think another way that will facilitate healthy behavior, I want to help us all choose wisely. Yeah, and that, that, that's important. And, and I think that wise choice is where it's at. Because I think there's every day somebody has something that they're not happy about, that they're somewhere in their dump, something is, is pushing up. They have to arise from adversity and get to a situation where they're winning. And in sports and in life, there are winners and there are losers. <laughs> not everyone is going to win. That is, there's only one first place right? One person at the top of the podium, but I also like to look at reframing the win. And I look at that as not letting us off the hook, but also giving us some, some grace because today in the world in which we live, what used to look like winning is may not be realistic, may not be possible. So sometimes we have to reframe the win so that we still maintain motivated and confident to get up and start taking action. Yeah. I, you know, I, you and I are from Canada originally, and hockey is a big thing. Mm -hmm. And 
Uh, I'm in a city called Edmonton where we have the Edmonton Oilers and we're a 500 team at best, just like the Toronto Maple Leafs are a 500 team at best. So they frequently have to reframe their, their losses in a way that they're positive because otherwise those losses get into the headspace and really affect behavior. Absolutely. And if we can be positive and if it's really, and even though sometimes it's still hard to say, oh, yes, amongst all the oh, no's, but if we can look at it optimistically, what did I do right? And what can I do better? And where is there opportunity? To me, that's, that's the, that's the pivotal moment for peak performance. Yeah. So you work with athletes all the time to help get them there and and help get them to that level. Are there some pointers or tricks that you can use? You can tell the audience to help get them up to that level in addition to betting on yourself. (laughs) You might find this interesting, but we also talk about embracing the suck. (laughs) So what do I mean by that is definitely positive and optimistic thinking to build motivation and confidence, but also the understanding that sometimes you're going to need to show up when you don't want to. Sometimes that it is going to be a little bit uh, uncomfortable. You're going to have to embrace some discomfort and exert every ounce of effort, even though you may only have 50% to give today. I want to help you give 100% of that 50. So it's not all about rainbows and, and sunshine. Sometimes it is about getting up when it looks grim, when you, when you don't feel confident and still embracing that moment so that you can have your own personal win at the end of the day, whatever that looks like. Yeah, we just had the Olympics and I look back to that uh, world-class uh, Chinese skater who fell about three or four times in her skating program. It was a Russian skater, rather, that fell three or four times in her program. And, you know, she did very well. I mean, she tried her best. But at the end of it, her coach belittered her and said, why did you give up? Is that the right way to do things? (laughs) I mean, listen, I think it's I think it's important to. That is a high level of development there. She probably is going to punish herself more than her coach, even like her coach doesn't even need to. So she's going to punish herself enough for the both of them. And there is opportunity to be upset. There is opportunity to look where you can improve. In my consulting, when an athlete comes to me, having, having had a disappointing performance, if they're not unhappy, that's when I question it. Because then I wonder why they're doing this in the first place. If they come to me and they're upset and they're frustrated, that's actually a good sign because it means they care and that means they could have done better. But do I like to belittle them? No, but I do like to use that as an opportunity to see where we can strive for, for, for greater, strive for more. That being said, if you've done all that you can do, we life sometimes is unfair, but if you've done everything that you can do, given every ounce of effort, we need to be okay with that. That needs to be good enough because that good enough will help us to be motivated to get up tomorrow and be great. Yeah. I mean, and as I said, this was a 15 year old skater. How many more Olympics does she have ahead of her if she does things properly? I, I think the number is, is huge. I mean, she could be on the podium for a number of years to follow. So to handle that event is more important than to 
to be shot down for it. it it's rather, thank goodness you're here. <laughs> look how many people you're ahead of in the line to get here. And look at this opportunity. Yes, you fell, but next time you won't. Right. I wholeheartedly agree with you. Yes. It's not, it's not, we don't want to push people down. They're already feeling bad. So it's our job to help them cope with those feelings, work through those feelings, and then motivate them to get back up and try harder. Because again, at 15 years old, you have many, many, many Olympics and other and other other competitions and life skills to develop. Yeah. And I think that's the huge part of that is, is life skills are what we're talking about. We're really talking about people developing life skills, mental skills, in addition to physical skills. Because physical skills are that really that important in addition to life skills. I know in my sport, I mean, I'm much older than 15, but I know in, in my sport, um, when it was time for me to move on, I remember saying to my father that I don't want to learn to hate the sport I used to love. Because hating a sport and all that that goes with it may impact your ability to stay healthy and persistent in other aspects that I pursue after sport. So it's really about taking the long-term term approach, but that's a lot easier said than done because when you are an Olympic athlete and when you are an Olympic coach, you're living for the moment and everything and everything, you know, counts on this moment. So it is a very difficult balance. Yeah. I remember also on the Olympics as another figure skater said she'd never skate again because she didn't win as she only plays second. I, I, I think that's a pretty bad attitude too. I, I mean, again, hating something uh, that you really love all because you didn't win is probably a bad attitude at the same time. It makes me sad. It definitely makes me sad. And then all the, the conditioning and the health and wellness that goes with that. There are a lot of athletes who, when they are done with their sport, they actually live an unhealthy life. Yeah, that, that's important. And, and that's true. I, I, I know many athletes, uh, some that are from foreign countries. They're great athletes at the age of 20, but at the age of 30 or 40, they drink too much, they smoke too much, and, and they go to through a very negative experience afterwards and never re keep that, that professional status going. Correct. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's sad. Well, the other reason I want you here today, Healy, is because you're an expert in keeping people moving. And the, the thing is, so many people are tied to Zoom in this day and age, and they literally are on their Zoom calls from morning till night. They're literally not moving from their chairs. They're literally not doing anything else. And I know you're an expert in helping people with that. So let's go through some of the things that people can do to keep their bodies active and keep their minds active through the day so that they can be healthier at the end of the day and not have back problems or, or shoulder problems or even worse, heart problems because they're, they're couch potatoes. Yeah, let's do that. So it's, uh, yes. And Zoom and, you know, what, what this pandemic has brought. We are inactive. For those of us who are sitting at our desks all day, we are inactive up to eight hours a day, not including sleep. Eight hours. So you actually might be exercising every day for an hour. 
But the remaining hours that you're awake, are you sitting in front of your computer or do you get up and move to then the dining room table and sit and have dinner? And then maybe you get up for a moment and go sit at the couch and then sit and watch TV. Um, perhaps now we're getting a little bit more outside and able to be have some more variety, but we are sitting. And what that is doing is, is decreasing our range of motion. Right. And it's also actually causing us to be fatigued, not just mentally and emotionally, which we already are, but if we're just sitting and not using our muscles, we're losing our muscles. So we're losing energy physically as well, which is causing, like you said, all different types of issues. So I believe, (laughs) I believe that everyone knows that to move is better not to move. I think we all know that we understand that to exercise is better than not to exercise to sleep is better than not to sleep and to eat healthy is better than to not eat healthy. But so we generally know that, but it's the story that we're telling ourselves that prevents us or it's habits. We're creatures of habit. So you go through an entire eight hours and then you realize, oops, I didn't move today because you were just going through the motions and going through habit. So it is my job to help interrupt at the the mindset aspect. Yeah, huge, huge, huge. So maybe we can go through maybe five simple things people can do today so that that can change things in their lives. Uh, Maybe you just keep it simple because, you know, this is a podcast and many people are listening to this. So they might be driving in their cars or they might be doing something that way. And, uh, uh, we've got to make sure that they're able to do this. And I'm going to ask people to refer back to this often because it's something that will help you in your daily life. It is. And thank you for that. So the first thing, again, we talk about mindset. So the first exercise or the first tip, I would actually like to ask people what their story is about taking time away from their work, taking time away from their job, taking time away from their computers. Because often we say, we don't have time to do that. We need to get on this next email. We need to get on this next call. We need to get to this next place. If you're sitting in your car and driving, right? You're still sitting and you're needing to get to that next place. So recovery And when I say recover, when I say recovery, it's really active recovery and movement, taking time away from your work, from your responsibilities, moving your body, but recovering your mind and your emotions. So it's active recovery. People feel like it's some type of reward. If I do this, if I get this email done, if I get these calls done, then I can go and move my body and, and rest my mind and my emotions. Or if I have time, when I have the time, well, professional athletes do not move their body when they have the time, right? They do not recover. And I, and I talk about movement as a mental and emotional recovery. Recovery is not when they have the time. It is a mandatory part of their health and wellness program. And we need to look at movement as a mandatory component of our wellness program. So that's, that's the first tool to look at movement as a requirement for optimal performance, happiness, and overall being. And the reason for that is you're going to move your body. So you're going to get blood circulating through your body, body, but blood carries oxygen and glucose and energy. In addition, though, scientifically proven to be the best way to change your emotions from a negative to a positive is human movement. So you'll get a double reward. 
You'll get blood circulating through your body when you move frequently throughout the day and you get an emotional relief and also a mental as well. So we have to get our heads right around human movement, get blood circulating, and it is emotional and mental recovery for us. Does that make sense? That makes a lot of sense. So if you get your head right, your body should follow, at least (laughs) should be in theory. Correct. So that's step number one. Step number two is really now looking at how to move your body in less than five minutes. So you're not looking for an hour at the end of the day or hours on the weekend or days on a vacation. Now we're actually changing our mind and focusing our intention in what we can do in five minutes or less between emails, between phone calls, between our tasks. So it doesn't need to be any longer. It's more about the quality as opposed to the quantity. That's step number two. Well, that's huge. Again, uh, time shouldn't be the issue then. I mean, most people can find five minutes in a day. Most people can find a little bit of time. When people tell me they don't have the time, what I tell them is that, no, you don't manage your time properly. That's the issue. The issue is not that you don't have the time. The time is you don't apply it in the right places. Exactly. And we're, we are tired. The more we sit, the more we are inactive, we are tired physically, but we're also exhausted mentally and emotionally. So we say we are too tired to make use of the time. So now I'm helping you when you start to move, you're creating energy. And when you have energy, then you can also better manage your time. Yeah. And that's important. Energy is what you are. And what I find for most people is that they should realize that they're not using energy. They're generating energy. So if you have the proper enthusiasm, the proper stuff going on, you're actually generating energy, not sapping it in. It's when you're negative, when you're down in the dumps, that's when you're sapping it in. It is. And it takes, and it's a quick sapper. It is an immediate, you will find yourself in the quicksand of misery very, you know, very quickly. Uh, so yes, absolutely. Movement actually is going to renew energy. It's going to fuel you, but we don't need to do it. You know, it doesn't take a lot of time. It takes short about short amounts of time. And now Let's get into, you know, three things because you asked for five, so I gave you two, but then we'll get into three additional things that you can physically do in, you know, intermittently throughout the day. And this is not exercise. This is desk exercise, which is really more movement throughout the day. So one is stretching. So we all know how to stretch. However, right now it's super important because a lot of orthopedic surgeons are really talking about what they are now uh, calling the pandemic posture, which is, you know, I don't know who (laughs) can't necessarily see me, but my shoulders are shrugged. I'm hunched over my keyboard. And what that is, is tightening your front body. So stretching where you open up your front body, you kind of bring your hands behind you and you stretch out your front body. You probably have already experienced this when you finally do get up from your seat and you immediately, without even thinking it, maybe some moans that go with it, but it's like, Oh, and you kind of open up your front body because your body is asking for it. Yeah. 
If you do that, if you find you stand up and you start again, moaning or feeling the need to stretch, you haven't stretched enough throughout the day. It's when you, you know, same thing with water hydration. If you are thirsty, it's too late. You need to start drinking before you get to that place where you're thirsty. Same thing with stretching. So if we can every hour put a calendar reminder, set an alarm, have a, have a cheat sheet that says stretch on your key, on your keyboard or on your computer. And then you just make sure that you are stretching. You can use props, a t-shirt, a towel to help you open up that front body. Yeah. And if you have an eye watch, your eye watch actually tells you time to roll and you should roll at that time and, and just let it happen. You know, maybe you can't do it right then, but as soon as that spot comes in, then you should do it. Love that. And then in addition to stretching, now I want you to actually move. So I've gotten into the habit for myself because I'm sitting more than I ever have. As a public speaker, I used to travel around getting up on stages and moving and working with athletes. I would be on the field with them. My whole business became quite virtual. So I was in front of my computer more than I've ever been. So I got into the habit of after every email, I stand up and sit down five times. So I'm just doing like five squats. It's not exercise because I'm not really challenging myself physically and I'm not, you know, increasing my heart rate or feeling any discomfort, but I'm getting blood circulating. So you could do little things like that. Create rituals where in between every phone call, you get up and you sit down five times or emails if you go and get the get a glass of water, make sure that you don't let anyone do it for you. You get up and go yourself. Last week, I actually um, was with my boyfriend. We were both working and I was going to get myself a glass of water and I offered to get him one. And he said, no, I want to walk those stairs. <laughs> so it's important that we take every opportunity we can to move those bodies. Yeah, and I, I think that's so important. You know, I in Edmonton at this time of year, for the last several weeks, we've been going through uh, a freeze cycle and a melt cycle, so everything's ice. So I make sure that I get at least an hour of walking in every day at the malls that we have. And, and that is a good exercise for people that can't do it otherwise. So little things make all the difference. Right. And if you can't, if you say I need I'm on a work call, well, perhaps that one work call doesn't need face to face. So you can go walk the mall while you're on that call and just make sure that you've got headphones to, to tune out the noise. But I love that idea. It's not about focusing on all the reasons why you can't. It's on focusing on all the ways you will. Yeah. And I think another thing people should invest in is ebooks books, auditory books, because then they can listen to those books while they're doing those other activities. So it stimulates the mind as well as stimulating the body. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, I have one other to make it five. If you're good with, if you're good with that one more yes. technique, one more. <laughs> um, one of my mentors, very good friend, body worker shared this with me years ago, and now I'm spreading the word. Uh, there are, you know, a lot of people talk about having uh, treadmill desks or little bikes, you know, bicycle pedals underneath your desk. I'm going to go a lot less inexpensive. I like to carry around tennis balls. They're my tennis balls so I can do what I want with them. And I stick them in my armpits. 
And I play a little game with myself. So when I'm at my computer, they're in my armpits. When I'm driving, they're in my armpits. Sometimes I use them for massage, but when they're in my armpits, the name of the game is to keep them there, which maintains good body posture. Because as soon as I get into that pandemic posture, the hunch over, my my, um, arms open up and the balls will fall out. And if the balls fall out, that is my clue Oh, I'm losing energy. I need to get more energized. So I will go and move most often go and fetch the tennis balls, bring them back and then stick them back in my armpits so that I'm at least maintaining an open body. I've got good body posture, blood is circulating, energy is being created and I'm taking care of myself. Well, that's huge. Well, you know, we're almost at the end now. It's already been a full show already. Uh, Now, Question. This show is called How to Live a Fantastic Life. How do you, Haley Perlis, live a fantastic life? I start in the morning. I start in the morning. I get up, I drink water and lemon, I make my bed, and then I ask myself one question. What do I get to do today? Which is very different than what do I have to do today? What do I get to do? Who do I get to support? How do I get to be challenged? What do I get to learn? And that helps me be as optimistic as I can possibly be. And that's huge. Well, how can people get in touch with you and your world? How can they find out more about you if they so choose? Sure. The best place is my website because from there, you'll have access to me and access to to all the education and tools that I provide. So it's www.drhaleyperlis.com. Drhaleyperlis.com. And let's spell that, Haley, just in case people have a little bit of problems with that. Sure. So the doctor is just D-R and then H-A-L-E-Y, P for Papa, E-R-L-U-S.com. Perfect. Thank you, Haley. Thank you very much for being here. And thank you for sharing your wisdom and your enthusiasm. It's always great to have an enthusiastic guest like you. It's a lot of fun. Well, your smile is contagious. I can see you. So your smile is contagious and it's lovely. Thank you. Thank you. Well, have a fantastic day. You too. You've been listening to How to Live a Fantastic Life. Be sure and pick up a copy of Dr. Laika's book, The Secrets to Living a Fantastic Life, on Amazon.com. And you'll want to subscribe right here on this page so you don't miss a single episode. Have a fantastic day. Fantastic day.